Okay, here we are. We are doing another one of our interviews and we're doing this over Zoom, so we never know quite how the Zoom interviews sound at the start. So if it just glitched, that's why. Um, so today we are very excited to have Chloe Sutton with us and you may know her already from Self-Care Sisterhood, but she's a weight-neutral, trauma-informed personal trainer from Newcastle, Australia, and her gym is the Self-Care Sisterhood. Um, her aim is helping people get strong, build body trust, ditch diet culture, and say goodbye to gym anxiety for good. She is passionate about serving neuro-spicy folk. Mm -hmm. I love that. And those navigating life with chronic illness and pain to move without fear. She applies her lived experience of bipolar 2, ADHD, chronic migraines, endometriosis, POTS, to empower her clients to move on their own terms. That's lots of things to have to hold on to all day, every day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. So good. How do we always start? How do we always start? Uh, Chloe, what was the best thing that you ate this week? I had a really good chicken kebab and I ate most of it until I dropped it on the floor and then my dog ate it. Oh. So that was, that was, that was a fun thing. Bad like, when you're not finished. <laughs> what have you and got in like, kebab? Yeah. What's your kebab um, order? Like, Oh, I love a chicken kebab with like garlic aioli and like lots of cheese and like tabbouleh and like just pretty much all the things. Whatever they'll give me, I'll eat it. Yum. Yeah, nice. Love a good kebab. Oh, I haven't <laughs> had a kebab in ages. We had Goslini not so long ago. Remember after we're. Oh, you and me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Kenefe. Yes, we did have Kenefe. We um, a desserty, cheesy oh, yeah. thing. So that was really delicious. So good. So good. Actually, the best thing I ate this week, which we're not talking about this podcast, but we're about to record another one, um, is in that sort of similar vibe. Excellent. So tune in next time or tune in last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, find out what it was. Far out. All right. So, um, so we're often with the people we get on and we're really, um, yeah, I mean, I've known you for quite a few years and I think Susan met you last year at the Untrapped Retreat. We did. Um, and always love um, hearing from people who are doing things differently in like particularly professions that oh they throw some battles at you so you know up there with dietetics and weight stigma and weight bias is personal training um so how is it that you I guess you came to want to do this or to have an understanding of doing things differently and what have been the challenges that you've had to overcome um either in your training or in your setup to be able to to create this amazingly like supportive, wonderful space for people um, to move. I have a big, weird, long story, but I was trained as a primary teacher, early childhood teacher, and I was at uni, got really, really sick with migraines and, um, and it was just a really rough time. I was bed bound for two years with migraines pretty badly, ended up getting diagnosed with um, endometriosis and bipolar and all the fun things. Um, And was pretty much bed bound for two years and was like, once I get out of this, I, I actually can't go back to the teaching environment of a classroom because I am disabled and I need to have more time off. So I did personal training, which probably sounds weird to anyone else, like you're going to exercise more. But for me, I can move around my disabilities and help support people with their movement who are living with the same things as me. Um, so 
I'm imagining my more in control of your own timetable and schedule and energy levels and all of that compared to being put in a situation where you just have to put the kids' needs unfortunately ahead of yours. That's the expectation. Definitely. Um, and I'm able to work around my own mental health and physical health stuff as well. And kind of, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to get into it because I was so desperate to move after being bed bound for pretty much two years. I was like, once I get out of here, I want to do a job where I can move my body and it'll help me look after my own mental health and my own body. But um, being that sick for that long, whilst having migraines since I was 12, like it really taught me a lot that my body is an instrument. It's not an ornament. And um, no one... I've lost to quite a few people quite early in the last couple of years, some good girlfriends and people in my life. Not once at any of their funerals did they say, oh, and she had an app. She had great abs. Like, you should have checked out her thigh gap. Yeah, like, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but no one gives a shit. Like, it's, yeah. it's not life quality. Like, they were known for how they were loved and, um, you know, the way that they loved others and their character and, um mm. I think for me realizing and exposing myself to the internet as well and seeing all these amazing trainers around the world doing it in different bodies, that fitness isn't, it's not a look, it's a skill. And yeah. like reading, everyone can learn to read. <laughs> um, Some people have additional challenges to it and yes. so they specialize teaching or resourcing so yeah. they can do it. Yeah, access it. Yeah. It sounds like you didn't have um, a lot of unlearning to do. I think I had a lot of unlearning to do around my internalized fat phobia that I oh, had due to like a clean eating dad who oh. <laughs> it was very oh. much like, but that was from um, growing up in poverty. He grew up pretty poor. So the, his idea of food was around like nourishment and eating the best you can, but it kind of morphed into clean eating and then it kind of turned into, oh, thunder thighs or, oh, look at that belly. And it's kind oh, of wow. like, I had to do a lot of unlearning. Absolutely. Um, but one of my best friends was, I think you know her, Meg Steph. Um, she was a training to be a dietitian and she kind of introduced me to intuitive eating. And I was like, oh, my God, the veil has lifted. Like, why mm. the heck has no one taught me about this? I'm like huh? 22. This is ridiculous at the time. Um, but I think... Which is actually quite young to learn it. Like most of the people who I come yeah, across, I dietitians or patients, unfortunately yeah. they've been swimming around for a bit longer and it's often much later Definitely. like that they first go, oh, like either 10 years yeah. into their career or like when they're fine and they become parents, they choose from parents and are trying to figure out how to feed my child or they've gone through a horrendous eating disorder themselves and recovered and discovered it through that. Yeah. So 22. It's pretty, yeah, <laughs> I think it was because of Steph's influence and she would tell yeah. me things and I'd be like, what? Oh, and I'm a bit, with my ADHD, I'm like, if I don't know something, I kind of go down the rabbit hole of researching pretty much everything I can about it. And then I'm like, oh, cool. I've got like a mini uh, internet degree in that topic. <laughs> That's just how my brain works. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so when you were actually, of- sorry, you go on. Oh, I had a few people around me when I started PT that informed me about health at every size as well. And I knew you as well, Meg, when I was just starting out. So I know you definitely mentored me a fair bit too and kind of sent me, I think you sent me like an email with a bunch of links and I was like, right, Meg said I should look at this. something I would do. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I heard you sort of talk about there being a lot of um, scepticism as to whether you would be able to do this when you're actually doing your training. Um, Talk a little bit more about your actual, I guess, training and your learning, like being taught how to be a personal trainer um, and how you had to navigate that, knowing that you weren't going to want to sell weight loss. It was awful. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, the most horrific um, couple of months. I, When I was doing the course, I was quite unwell with migraines as well. And mm-hmm. just the inbuilt ableism that is within the personal training courses is actually so prolific. I actually, I remember one day in the course, I just was like, what the, f-? I just swore. And I was like, what the F? And I just, you know, you can't just hold it in your mouth. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Looted. This is not real life. Like people aren't 21 with all blonde hair and bulging muscles. Like people have injuries and people have disabilities. And so I would be like, you know, arguing with the instructor, which is classic me. But um, yeah, it was just really bad. Like I I remember coming away and um, I had this one instructor who was amazing. And then the rest I had a really bad time with, but he was an exercise physiologist. And he was like, here's all these things you can go and learn you're the only one that's really listening to my lectures. Can you please? <laughs> I did the course with like 17 year olds. And at hmm. the time I was 25, which is considered old to be trained wow. as a PT. Right. Like the average age is about 18 to 19. And the lifespan of a PT is six months. <gasps> wow. Yeah. So I've been doing it for almost eight years. Yay! <laughs> I'm like elderly through. At having been months. told that you wouldn't be able to do it, having been told no one will want to yeah. for that. I was told by an instructor who actually put a formal complaint in against that. He said to me, uh, you, you're overweight at the time. I was smaller than I am now, um, you know, and I'm still a straight size, which is just beyond wild that they would say that just to anyone. But um, he's like, well, you know, you don't have, you know, this isn't a good idea. No one's going to buy your services unless you sell weight loss. Like, what are you going to teach? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach them everything other than that, like strength training, balance, agility, um, alignment, core control, breathing, diaphragmic understanding of your core, like pretty much everything you're supposed to as a PT. Like it's not. Stuff I can actually guarantee as an outcome. Like unreal. Oh, I think I'm getting a bit glitchy. I'm just going to turn off my a video to see okay. if that happens. So we had a little glitchy, but what we were talking about, um, so if Chloe, you can sort of tell us again um, what your response was to that question of, well, you know, no one's going to hire you. What are you going to, what are you going to teach? If, what are you going to sell in cynical inverted commas um, if you're not going to do weight loss? Pretty much anything else really like strength agility balance control range of motion power speed tempo um intra-abdominal movement functional movement (laughs) anything but that especially something that we know doesn't work and you know it's like having a car that doesn't work six days out of seven wait why would you sell it um also I kind of want to go to bed with myself every night and look in the mirror and feel like I have a clear conscience that I haven't yes. haven't enabled or or done harm done harm yeah like I can go to bed with myself and look in the mirror and be like I'm proud of you you stuck with your yes. ethic values um, yeah <laughs> I it's changing a bit I'm just thinking of there's a guy I follow on Instagram who look he's not entirely sort of I guess sort of safe from a body safety weight loss point of view but he's pretty great um yeah. on a lot of 
other stuff. So he's a personal trainer um, who was the really typical personal trainer for a long time. And then he got Crohn's, had Crohn's disease and got to the point where he was completely debilitated, couldn't walk up the stairs by himself, had a number of falls and um, was just struck by, hang on, I still know all the stuff. I don't look like it. I can't do it myself right now, but I still know all of the information that I've known about safe movement and about how to build strength. And yet he was treated really differently. So he's, you know, he's sort of healed from that and he's sort of back in a very typical, quite muscular body. But he talks about that a lot to try to help other people, you know, not have the my body is my business card nonsense um, that happens. So is there, are there more people, are there more people like you coming out of the woodwork? I can say yes and no. When I did my course, they basically told us your business is like your body is your business card, which I thought mm, that's so gross. Gross. But um, if I'm really honest, in Australia, no. In the rest of the world, yes. So okay. um, I think it's the way we actually train up our personal trainers in Australia. The quality is quite low and it's not a regulated body. Yeah in Australia, which really pisses me off because um, I've got my training as a teacher and I know how much professional development I had to do when I did that. And yeah. in Australia, which a lot of people don't realize is that you can get your course in under six months and you are never made to do professional development again, basically, right. unless you register with a governing body that is actually not a governing body, it's a business yeah. kind of pretending that they're a governing body and they ask you to register to it so then they can make money off you year and year year and year on so if you're working in a big Mm -hmm. box gym you probably will have to be registered with them I'm not because they don't add any value and the courses that they sell as part of your ongoing development are not that great either so I work I do a lot of professional development from the US and the UK through um, people who are more qualified than me and um, I get ongoing mentoring with them as well. So oh, um, nice. Yeah, because we're doing a little series. We found a few diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Um, so this, you know, this interview being coming out in January. So we're also, we're also yeah. talking to um, uh, Ellen Mason, phys- um, exercise oh, physiologist, and to Shelley Last, body, body positive fitness. Yes. Um, and... So there are a few, but yeah, it's just you can, we can almost count them on one hand, right? Well, yeah, I was say you chuck in Anna, her. Oh, of course, and yes. that's that, that is and Natasha. You got, got me. Natasha in diverse personal training and one hand, one hand. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's more. Let us know. <laughs> I think I know of maybe two or three more, but they are all very, very new to the industry. So there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people like I can get mentoring from apart from those people that you listed who are amazing, yeah. but there's not a lot of people in Australia that are running studios. Like yeah, they're individual. And so, to be a lot more in um maybe in the yoga space. A lot more in yoga. But yeah, not and but like you say too, not having an actual physical studio space where you can attend yeah because if you still have to try to if you're working in another big gym yeah. you don't necessarily actually be able to protect your clients from comments looks vibe yeah. mirrors and scales sometimes as part of your contract is working there you actually have to sign off that you're not going to promote certain things as well so, so a lot of people get censored by what they want to share with their clients so um, things like um you know um, if they're working for a gym and they're running a few classes they have to promote the eating, you know, the the diet weight loss challenge that the gym is running as part oh, yeah. of 
and so they can't escape it and so that's why I never went into the mainstream yeah is it just to be honest it's mentally scarring like even me as a trainer mm-hmm. all this knowledge I still don't go into big box gyms because it's like wearing a heavy concrete coat it just it's coated it's everywhere yeah the, the fat phobia is just so it's not even like under the cover like people oh no I'll just walk up to someone in a bigger body and be like, oh, you're so brave. <laughs> leave I, me alone. <laughs> just what? let me do my thing. <laughs> well, I'm doing like a chest press. I'm busy right now. Like I used to do yoga at a gym in like Penrith, which is near where I live, oh. and they stopped doing the class when I wanted to go. And I turned up one day expecting it to be on and there was a spin class. I'm like, <laughs> That's yeah. not the same. And that sounds like hell. No, thank you. Anyway, so it never came back. And I dragged my feet and eventually went in because you have to go in and face the human behind oh, the desk cancel. if you want to cancel. Oh, yeah. Very that's hard that's cancel. not allowed either legally. And I'm in a very small body and she just looked me up and down and went, oh, well, you don't need to be here anyway. <laughs> Half an hour I know, right? I know. And I was just like, oh, wow, wow. Okay, so. We're going to have a conversation. Half an hour later and about four or five different references, I was like, imagine, like, if I had been in a bigger body, like, the actual likelihood of being able to. to say. Did you school, like, feel good? I would have done that. (laughs) Shocking. No, that's so, it's not trauma-informed, and this is the thing that, really gets me about these big books gyms is I have so many clients coming from them saying I've been traumatized by this mm. experience and this experience like someone told me recently that I'm a male trainer just measured the inside of their leg without permission what? and this person is a sexual assault survivor and I was just like you need to report that that's unethical like just Do doing not it- touch people's bodies without consent I was like oh my word no 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 um yeah. Yeah, like people who have, you know, conditions like me, like saying, hey, I'm just going to stop and the trainer like points them out verbally at yeah. whole class. No, keep going. You need to do this. Come on. And like, and this person's like, like me, like I actually hey, need to rest. I have, yeah. I'm going to faint in a minute. Do you want me to faint and crack my head open on the floor? Like, or uh, just take a little sit down quietly. <laughs> or just let me have a little sit and stop being so judgmental, babe. Like, uh, yeah, gross. And do you think um, if you hadn't, I guess, had the experience that you have had had and felt pretty confident on, no, this needs to be a service that is available to people, that you wouldn't have made it through your training? You would have just been like, I'm out of here. I think I was so angry <laughs> that ah. <laughs> and rage fueled me. If I'm honest, I'm a bit of a bulldog like that. Like I grip onto something and don't let go. But while I was in my training, I actually had a really bad experience at a body at a big box gym where I was doing actually doing a chest press on a Sunday. And I had a male guy just come over and pull the plate off my bar while I was chest pressing. Um, And I, I I almost like, I, it's quite a dangerous thing to do. Like I was on a Sunday, I was there on my own. And when you're chest pressing on your own, you don't clip your plates on the side of your bar, because if you get stuck, you're you're able to get yourself out of it. It's like a safety feature and he just comes over and just pulls the five oh. kilo at the end of the bar. And I dropped it to the side and like mm-hmm. pretty much like winded Interview. myself. Yeah. yeah. Winded my windpipe. And I just remember like one, just getting up and running into the bathroom, calling my husband and he had to come and pick me up. And um, I, I called the gym because there was no one there. It was a 24 hour gym. It was on a Sunday. They don't have staff on at that time. And I reported it to them and they said, oh, sorry, our cameras don't work. And I said, legally as a 24 hour oh. gym, 
you have to have footage. And they said, oh, well, he's actually a founding member as well. So so they didn't know who it was. They did have cameras. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I didn't mention his name at that point. And I was like, wow, women, like people, you know, women and and non-binary folk, we need safe places to move that is. And you're relying on that, that they've taken all the precautions and following all the guidelines to ensure your safety where there is no actual oversight. Yeah, it was it was beyond wild, and I was like livid, and my husband was livid because like mm-hmm. people have died from injuries. Yeah, like, gym, that like, gyms, yeah. Oh, that gym. No, just in um in the industry. Oh, right. Oh, wow. um, yeah, um, it's pretty crazy, and I just was like, it was taking a bit of time to get over the shock. <laughs> yeah, really. Happened. And I remember being so angry and being like, I'm I'm creating my own space. I, I literally. I'm uh, never coming back here. Mm. Yeah, it's the same. I, place I felt safe in I knew everyone and then I had that experience and I thought and I'm a trained trainer what would someone have done who was new to the gym trying mm-hmm. something um like I never went to the weights so I before when my kids were little um I was yeah I used to go to like a 24-hour gym because it was the only one I could sort of go to um and I never went to the downstairs weight section like ever mm-hmm. Um, because it was just so intimidating. Um, luckily, this one was like good. It had it sort of like had a sort of a section up the top um, with a door that women could use. I suppose right. only, which had some more assist, like assisted chin ups and sort of there's more machine based weights. So I was able to use that. But let, and I'm pretty confident, and I'm straight size, and I was very fit at the time. <laughs> and I was just like, nope. <laughs> Design it like that. <laughs> I don't, yeah, you just feel really vulnerable. Um, and so it wasn't until we got actually got a like um cage, I guess, in our own garage that I actually started lifting. Um, because I just would not feel comfortable comfortable to sort of do it yep. publicly. Yeah, it's just it's it's beyond wild that it, when we look at gym spaces and the big box gyms, they are designed for men and women are just okay. a tap one. Um, and in the course that I did my PT course like we didn't even learn about postpartum training and how to train postpartum like 80% oh wow so nothing about like um you have to do that as an add-on you have to pay for it extra because that's the word I just I just mimed it for those who are listening (laughs) (laughs) not helpful on a podcast for me to start miming abdominal separation yeah yeah like an afterthought and I mean I think the statistic is like something like 80% of the women that you train will be postpartum wow wow so like it's quite so a high number and people can do damage like they like we obviously want to promote fearless movement but you know if someone's coming in they've had you know a stage two prolapse you know yeah. getting them I mean, to do box jumps is not it's not good it's not best practice you know yeah. um, obviously we want to work people up to doing movement they enjoy again but also making sure that we're not creating more fear and also just like people's recovery post-birth and also post-injury or surgery even as well. Um, yeah, it's important. Even, um, the way your body responds across your menstrual cycle as yes. well. Um, yes. I said, this is health full stop, right, isn't it? Women are the add-on, <laughs> yeah. the optional extra. I listened to a podcast series that's called 28 Days and it's like one day for each day, the, the, the whole menstrual cycle. And there was um, 
uh, an episode or two about athletic performance, mm. like around your menstrual cycle. And I was particularly interested because one of my kids is a bit of a good runner and she's only 12. She hasn't, yeah, sorry, Chloe, just talking about you. Um, <laughs> she doesn't listen. Um, but yeah, like just how that will impact mm. her maybe if she continues in competition, like what's that actually going to mean? Yeah. And by the sound of it, that didn't come in at all to your training either. No, wow. I didn't know anything about that until the last couple of years. And Amazing. I that I got from the course is that they just think women are little men, but we're actually yeah. <laughs> and our, our bodies are different. Like, you know, we've got a uterus and they just have an empty space with the audacity. Um, that's what we say at our <laughs> Um, like it's completely different and obviously we want to train around our menstrual cycle like we can modify where we need to and just listen into our bodies and yeah but you know we don't have to stop training because what we want to modify around it so um there's also going back to listening to the individual because not again not everyone's going to have every woman's going to have the same definitely some women will yes cruiser and won't notice a difference um you know phase to phase of their cycle and other women will be really significantly impacted absolutely i think there's a, a big thing in the fitness industry now in instagram especially it's like train around your menstrual cycle and it's like in oh, your like fad. phase only do pilates and walking and in your strength oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get stronger if you only weightlift four days of the month. Like, no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think the same. There's a bit of a, I, I saw the Gen X, all of us Gen Xers hitting perimenopause now. So everything, I don't know, maybe it's just my Instagram feed. Everything's about perimenopause. And, you know, you need this and you need that and you need to change, you know, no more cardio, only heavy weights. And you're like, oh. Whatever you enjoy. Uh, yes. You know, like whatever adds to your life and makes you complex in that regard. Like, you know, obviously maybe hit training all the time probably isn't good for anyone because that's Mm -hmm. been thing. But if you enjoy it and you can maintain it around your like allostatic load, which is like the stresses that, you know, your life stresses, your health stresses, like, you know, as long as you're not overloading that stress cup and it's overflowing into pain or fatigue, then do what you enjoy. And at the end of the day, your body doesn't know the difference between working out and vacuuming. So do what do what you can consistently do and enjoy. And it's, you know, it's better than nothing. Um, Yeah, I found um but sometimes like I've even not much anymore, but there's been so many times in my life where I've sort of had that all or nothing of, oh, if I can't run because I've got an injury, oh, walking, it's it doesn't feel as good. And for me, it doesn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being able to reframe and go, oh, well, you know what, though? It is really nice to talk because I can't talk while I'm running because I'm <laughs> trying to breathe. But, hey, if I'll grab someone and we'll actually walk um, and then the walk is more enjoyable. Um, but sometimes I just get the, the just get the wriggles. I'm like, I just need to go and run up and down the stairs 10 times. That's all I need to do today. I just need to, that's going to get the wriggles out and just, it's going to be different. And it's, I'm not always going to enjoy that. I'm not going to do that every time, Definitely. but sometimes it's what I feel like doing. Yes. I often say to like my, like my team here at the studio, like, you know, self-care is being about stubborn about your goal, like how you want to feel, what you kind of, the health benefits you want from your exercise, mm-hmm. but be flexible with the method. Like we always yeah. talk about um, friends, like pivot when they're like got the lounge. Like I just say to them, just pivot. If it's not working, you can still move, but pivot in a different direction around pain, around illness, figure out if what you're dealing with is an, you know, a complete roadblock, like you can't get through it. Or if it's just a little speed bump and there might be you know, a slight alternative, um, yeah. which helps get people out of that all or nothing thinking. Like we all do it. I still do yeah. it. Um, but it's 
coming back to flexibility. Um, And then that breeds self-compassion as a result. And then you get less likely to feel like you're shaming yourself or guilting yourself into something. And it, yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing to learn, but the more you practice it with like-minded people, it becomes more, more routine after a while. You just start doing it kind of not on rote, but kind of. It's more um, natural. It's more natural. Yeah. yeah. Kind of eating with intuitive eating. It, it takes a while to learn the skills, but yeah. Um, the more people you have around you that are doing it, the less weird it's going to look. Because in main big box gyms, it's like, oh, she's resting. Oh, she's not really trying for her max reps. Or yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, Olympian, leave me alone. I'm just here. Yeah. I just had like, you know, a rough day at work. Just want to mm. feel good. Leave me alone. <laughs> what you were saying about, um, you know, how, you know, most personalities, like they might only do six months in training and they're, done their business is done in what do you say eight months what was the average um it's about six six months is six the months so yeah. it's something obviously it's hard to make a viable business mm. um, and you don't have great training and so the tendency to be like I have one pra- one gym program that I have written yeah. and I give that to everyone um first one as well it's normally just like something crazy like there's not a lot of training. what they like to do right yeah, yeah, it's it's to be honest. Like a meal plan written by a dietitian. Yeah, that has all their favorites on it. <laughs> Literally, it's like everyone, okay, let's eat hummus. Okay, you're only doing mountain climbers for this entire week. And you're like, no, that's not really, yeah. I think there's not a lot of training around programming, which is what I did a lot of extra professional development on, on how to create a good program, understanding the main movement patterns, like, you know, um, knee dominant squats and lunges, pushes and pulls, um, hinges, so deadlifts and and hip thrusts and kind of core components, the different ways you can train your core. And once you learn that it's a framework and it's like a, we always call it like a movement rainbow, like, you know, knee dominant squats are red and hinges are blue and you just, you just find the shade of that blue, that movement pattern that suits your body. So as long as you're doing the movement pattern, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how you do it as long as it's, yeah. Yeah. for your body and someone said to me oh you know I'm not doing barbell deadlifts yet and I said yeah but you're doing a hinge against the wall with a kettlebell and you've got to like reading we don't go from reading like first day of kindy to reading you know um lord of the rings in one (laughs) 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 first thing you drive is in a car like we've got to like I think there's the fitness industry there's not a lot of learning on that it's a spectrum and it's a it's a curriculum that you have to learn over time Um, yeah you know, these bloody influences are like, hey, look at my genetically small size body. Um, I'm on all of the, you must do this one exercise to spot reduce this one area. And I do see a lot of personal trainers dissing that on social media, even the weight centric ones, um, which somehow pop up in my feed. Um, they are going and they'll show that like there's eight different influencers who are saying ex- literally word for word exactly the same thing feeling each other's content feeling each other's content and it's all it's you don't have to do this for a particular body part they don't become online trainers but have never trained a person in person mm. so they just set up an online account they go hey here's the program and they don't understand how to help people in bigger bodies move in disabled bodies move in someone who's you know, might have sensory processing disorder and doesn't, you know, needs different type of cutie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, there's not a lot of knowledge on actually how to give options as well. Like I've actually found that people don't know because they only base it on their body with their abilities, not, yeah, it's quite, it's, I could rant about that for days. Um, (laughs) I remember doing a, um, uh, 
yoga retreat with Sarah Harry and Diane Bondi and they were um, setting up, uh, there was a few particular movements that, 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 you know, there was all the blocks and props and, you know, and it was, you know, if you can't get yourself into this position because, you know, your proportions are different to my proportions, use your blocks basically to extend your arms. Yes. like the like people sort of coming out of like I think down dog into like a jump forward mm-hmm. and just the exclamations of joy yeah. I've never first of all somebody said I didn't know I was allowed to do that <laughs> didn't know I was allowed to change it and just it was so amazing it was so lovely just that permission and accommodation and just mm-hmm. I'm thinking about you as this human who wants to do this thing and let's let's look at how we can change it so you can. Yeah. And um, uh, it was truly like watching that joyful movement. Which inspires people to maybe want to do it again as opposed to feeling like they're failing at something constantly. That yeah. does inspire you to go back and do no, it again. No. I think it's um the fitness industry likes to say, oh, here's the beginner option and here's the advanced option without mm. communicating and people in watching their content don't know that there's like 12 other options in between and some that are adjacent to that same option that you can use and like you said with the blocks that can be an extension of their arm we can use different equipment around the room to be an extension of their body as well and I think it's that deep-seated ableism within the fitness industry as well that oh they're not trying hard enough they use xyz and like you said people say I didn't know I was allowed to do that because no one has empowered them with the knowledge. And once we've got that knowledge, no one can take it away from us. That's right. Um, yeah, we own that knowledge. So it's kind of like when you learn to read, you learn to read for life. That's yeah. yours. That's skill. Yeah, yeah, and I say that to my team is once you teach someone this skill, it's theirs, they own it for life. No one can take it from them. And then when diet culture tries to take it from them, they can be like, well, actually, no, Chloe said this, and I've learned that my body likes this, this, and this. And yep. so you can shove off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it my way. Like it's not wrong. It's just different. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's also gatekeeping of information in the fitness industry yeah. too. Yes. They want to sell you products, but only give you just a little bit like you're like a horse with like a carrot just in front of its face and just enough of a carrot that you can walk down the road, but not the whole carrots that you can be fully fed I for the yes. yeah. yeah. And it just really shits me to tears. Like, Because your goal is for people, like a little bit like ours, our goal is for people not to need us anymore. Same. Yeah. Um, like, you want to keep hanging out with me and keep coming to classes? Awesome. You have a, um, like there's that, I can you, you sort of see it out of Jim's the community and I'm doing the inverted commas community, but you genuinely have community. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we have, uh, I think it's my primary teacher background, but I have a, we have a strict set of, sorry, a strict set of community guidelines and values that everyone signs on when they come in. So we have a, a no meanies rule. Um, we have a body autonomy rule. Um, we, we have um, kind of a few rules around how we conduct ourselves in class, not as like a strict way of being, but just being aware of the options that are available to them. And also we don't, you know, we, we don't allow, you know, racism, transphobia, fatphobia, racism, um, kind of that kind of stuff as well. So it sets kind of the guideline when people come in, we call it, if I can be a we call it the no dickhead rule, basically. But <laughs> we call it no no meanies. So it's Love that. Um, that is definitely your primary teacher background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meanies allowed. Um, and it means that when people come in, they want to uphold it and then they take great pride in 
making others safe and comfortable so yes. people can find each other out for coffee or if they can see someone's needing a moment they'll go over and be like hey do you want me to grab you some water like people check in on me and my staff like they're like how are you going like um who was it the other week one of my PT clients gave me a pair of Pilates socks because she knows I like teal and purple Pilates socks and she thought oh just because, and I was like, this is the coolest uh, place ever. Yes. <laughs> I kind of think of it as like, um, I was really into the babysitter's club when I was younger. And I thought, oh. when I'm older, I'm going to have my own babysitter's club. And <laughs> you've got yourself I yes, <laughs> Yeah. I just made it for myself and then I get other people can join. Um, that's cool. Build it and they will come, that's right? That's right. Yeah, well, it's so... Friends. <laughs> Our last question before we get to, I guess, where people can find you. Um, what is, I guess, your hope for the fitness industry, personal trainers? Yeah. What would you love things to be like in the future? What's your hope for the future? My hope for the future is that I think I'm, I'm seeing a corner. We're turning a corner with body positivity and body neutrality. I think in the world events that are happening at the moment, I think we're um, seeing people turning a corner with this and realising that, the root of what we do as Hayes, well, you know, health every size, weight neutral trainers is the, the foundation is anti-racism and we have to stand on that before we promote body liberation. And um, I'm just hoping that there'll be more better training places out there. And that's something that I'm wanting to do in the future is actually set up a training facility for personal trainers to understand how to get started with this. Yeah. Um, because when I started there was nothing and it's really changed in the last, you know, seven or eight years. And I'm very excited about it, but I'm still having people come to me constantly and saying, Oh, you know, all this stuff. And I think I'm still a baby in this. Like I've only been yes. doing it for seven years. Like we've need- been doing good work in that seven years of helping <laughs> people in your little circle. Yeah. yeah. I think just the hope is that I'm very lonely in Newcastle as a weight neutral trainer. I don't have a lot of friends in the industry apart from those people you guys mentioned before and people connected with online. Um, I'm, if I can be honest, I'm still seen as a bit of an outsider in Newcastle. People think I, I'm a bit too weird and I'm a bit too, uh, (laughs) I'm not one of those beige gym girlies. I don't wear matching. I just make sure it smells nice and that's about it really. I just wear whatever I want and do whatever I want. But um, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can see, change the fat phobia within the industry and I think it's changing I think um but I think the last step is people are doing body neutrality and they're doing body positivity but they're not doing the anti-racism work and that's what I really want to see change in our industry um and also there's not a lot of people of color who are uh in in Australia that I know of anyway um supported to become personal trainers or it's just a lot of like a lot of um white folk if I'm honest yeah yeah, and it's um. I was going to say the parallels between, like, I think, sort of like, I just using my own experience was, you know, you get introduced to something that feels quite radical, and yeah. then it's normal, and then yeah. you're like, oh, finally, I'm. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> a little bit more. Oh, it's still going. Oh, I'm still uncomfortable. Oh gosh, here we go again. And it's just that constant, like, oh, there's actually something else under this. okay I'm going in but we'll often see the change like you're saying in those earlier stages where there'll be more acceptance more oh like no meanie rules um more accessibility yes to create that sort of groundswell to the next to the next to the next and trying to be patient yeah which can be hard (laughs) yeah 
and um, it is it is hard to 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 show up and do these things because I think it's so much easier to make money on weight loss. Like I had someone say, you can make so much more money. I said, yeah, but I couldn't live with myself knowing that I've yeah. caused a lot of eating disorders and I help promote yes. that. Like that doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, think, yeah. And I think if you work in a really um, relational way, like if that's what actually fills your cup, uh, weight loss doesn't do that because people drop away because it doesn't work. Yeah. You just get this turnover. I mean, the same and, in dietetics. And you as the practitioner probably start feeling like you're not very good at what you do because if you promise this thing that you actually can't follow through on, yeah. you sort of think, oh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Definitely. I think it's about communicating expectations of this is mm. all that I can teach you about. Yeah. You know, um, there's so much more to your body than just weight loss. And I think also communicating to people that how weight loss doesn't work, the the science and the research behind that and how it's, you know, we've known this for 30 plus years, you know, like we yeah. know it work. It's not new information in 2023. But once people hear that knowledge and it's kind of like I say to my staff team, you know, when your mum says put a jumper on, it's cold outside, you think, oh, whatever whatever. And then you go out with your friends and your friend said, why would not you bring a jumper? Um, and then you go, <laughs> it's like hearing that, say that a few more times. Um, and so it, it, you kind of need that. Like, oh, here, here's a referral to a book podcast or here's a referral yeah. to a book. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. community is telling me to wear a jumper. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, it's not just silly old Chloe who owns the studio up the road. Yeah. Like, sure. about this all the time. It's like, no, there's like research and people who are way smarter than me. <laughs> um, one thing we haven't talked about um, is your app. Yes, um, it's coming that's out very soon in January. Um, so we're going to be offering online coaching and then we're also offering, um, which will be a separate app, is our on-demand library. So oh, just God. really equipping people who, like me with chronic illness and pain. Um, we're not be able to get into a gym. Yeah, and access and um, just different price points as well. We're really conscious of, I think in the last six weeks or so, what's happening with Palestine as well. Like people, you know, social media is so powerful with how we can mm. social justice and change. And so we want to make sure we're able to help people who need that access as well. Yeah. yeah. Remembering that the root of all we do is rooted in social justice. And yeah. um, so it has to be radical and it has to be, you know, yeah. it's going to be tough to keep going, but it's so worth it. Um, and, and I think um, there's a... I think Fiona Sutherland put me on to her and now I cannot think of her name, but <laughs> drats, I'll find it later, but she's uh, the show notes. feminist, <laughs> I think sort of feminist sort of course creator and around that transparency around finances and how you run a business sustainably as well as with that you know access in mind mm. um, and alignment to your values because I think that's something that happens probably for probably women particularly female people but non-binary people in healthcare and fitness is that mm. you know we probably tend to under charge or undersell because we want to be good be kind and be nice yeah, and that's what we're taught to do as women uh-huh. um, you know like I said before we've got you know uh, you know as women we have you know ovaries and uteruses and all those yeah. things and just have the audacity like we're not taught that audacity as well. we have to we have to embrace our inner chad and sell like chad but I always say to our girls you know oh, geez, not all, hashtag not all chads <laughs> <laughs> 
Like before we sell them or we serve them, we're actually helping people, not just with. Yeah, that's right. We liberate them from diet culture. So what we're doing isn't just a gym membership. It's so much more than that, Um, which is tricky as women. We've got to, yeah, relearn those skills. I um, take a lot of influence from Denise Duffield-Thomas who talks about money mindset stuff and how actually we were never taught this as women our entire lives. Men are taught this stuff. They're taught just, yeah, just pop it out there. Flip on, you know, people who are like underqualified and overconfident. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then there's us, you know, twiddling our thumbs going, oh, should I put that offer out? Oh, I don't know when I've been doing it for almost a decade. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so about, make sure you value it. Yeah, whereas, you know, Chad's 19 and he thinks he can help people with eating disorders and he's got no degree or anything, <laughs> you know. It's, um, yeah. Fighting it back. I love these saying is that you know that the um the fool is so full full of himself and the wise man so full of doubts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that there's definitely a, I've certainly seen that with um like dietitians that I do supervision with, like they're so conscious of what they don't know. Mm. And like that's imposter syndrome. Good. Good. No dunning trigger allowed. Yeah, however. <laughs> um like also like there's a lot you do don't let that sort of stop you doing like really good work for sure um yeah love it thank you so much i'm just mindful of yeah definitely about time um thank you so much for chatting with us um and we will link to obviously self-care sisterhood um and the online stuff that you've got, um, which I think by the time this comes out will be out, which is really exciting. So that'll all be in the show notes. Um, So yeah, all the best with it. And thank you so much for chatting to us today. Thanks for letting me ramble for a bit. I love chatting with you guys. That's how we roll. Love it. (laughs)